and everybody has it back again. Don't take no mess at the rose garden. Jesus, they're on fire. They're what we desire. The men in black can handle it. Other teams can scrapple it. How they win that game today? There's just one thing you can say. How does Scotty shoot that three? Believe it, it ain't easy. How did Brian jump so sweet? Believe it, it ain't easy. It's the flying dot that's in your lap. Welcome back to the Rose Garden Report podcast. I am Sean Hyken, the author of the Rose Garden Report newsletter and website, which you can subscribe to at rosegardenreport.com. Free and paid subscriptions are available. The podcast, which is now part of the Odyssey family, you can get on the Odyssey app as well as Apple, Spotify, anywhere else that you can get podcasts. We're also on YouTube, which, you know, go youtube.com slash Report. Go subscribe. Even if you're not going to li- watch it on YouTube, subscribing helps me. So go do that. Uh... And, you know, other than that, uh, you know, just kind of all the usual places to find stuff. I got a good episode to, uh, today with a uh, friend of the program, return guest, Brandon Sprague, who is a co-host of Dirt and Sprague, which is the morning show on 1080 The Fan, as well as a co-host of the Jack Ramsey's podcast, along with Danny Morang, who was on last week and has been on before. If you guys are listening to me, you probably also listen to Sprague on one of his platforms, so you kind of know what it is but we just kind of wanted to do a general vibe check going into the new year uh you know the Blazers obviously coming off a pretty bad loss and collapse against the Warriors in their last game of the 2022 and then follow that up with you know probably one of the more feel-good games of the year with Gary Payton the second finally 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 making his season debut against Detroit and looking pretty good in limited minutes so Brandon and I get into a lot of that. We get into kind of some of the expectations around GP2 and maybe some of the messaging around the injury and why people, why there was so much, I guess, fan anxiety about it. So we get into some of that. We get into a little bit of talk about like what we would expect them to maybe do with the trade deadline, which is coming up in about a month. We get into some thoughts on Shaden Sharp's role and kind of how that's evolved because Brandon, like over, over the summer, that was something that, that Brandon and I have kind of disagreed on where I thought it was going to take longer for Shaden Sharp to get into the rotation than Brandon did. And it turns out he was right on that. But also, you know, he's been kind of up and down the last few weeks. So we get into that. We also get into just some of the general NBA stuff just kicking around the league because Brandon is just like me. He's a huge NBA. You know, we both kind of cover the Blazers as more of like our everyday thing. But we're both huge NBA fans. I've covered the league nationally for years for br and other outlets so we get into kind of some general nba stuff it's a, it's a good conversation it lasts around an hour so just you know enjoy that let's get to that now all right back on the show for the first time since i think july or august brandon sprague what's going on man Hi, Ken. How we doing, man? Thanks for having me back on. It's an honor as a subscriber and reader and listener of the Rose Garden Report. It's an honor to be back on with you. How yeah. you been? I'm, I'm good. I mean, so the, la- the last time I had you on was after you and Dirt did the Joe Cronin interview on, yeah. uh, on your show. And we were just talking about just how wild it was that the GM was willing to actually do... <laughs> A radio interview, which was not. And since then, you've had you had Joe, you and Danny had Joe on uh, Jack Ramsey's, like right before the season started. Yeah, we got lucky in that way, and and you know I you know this because people have filmed you talking to Joe uh, courtside. Joe, yeah, that's guy. something that that's something that has happened. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, he's at least accessible, and he makes it to where 
maybe he doesn't give every you know tidbit of information no, but at least he's right. willing to talk and converse and be nice to people yeah have you you i know you were at as a fan like as a, as a as a spectator you were at the game the other night with the you were you were there for the the dame game right uh, the dame, uh oh you the were there record? for you were, the one the one where they did the ceremony I was not actually not at that game. I thought about buying tickets. I thought but you I, said you were at that one. No, oh, you were at one of the ones before. I was at the Denver game where I thought he won it, and then oh, Jamal Murray yeah. did the step back, and yeah, that was devastating. Were you at the one uh, the other night when Gary Payton uh, played? No, I I, I got to start being better of when I go weekdays because I do the radio show 6 a.m. It's a lot harder for me to do that. I did that uh-huh. Denver game on a Thursday, and waking up at 4 a.m. was not fun. So I got to aim for, like, Friday, Saturday-type games. Yeah. How are you, just generally speaking, I kind of, I wanted to get you on because I wanted to do just just sort of a general vibe check now. We're almost halfway through the season. Yeah. How, how are you feeling? Dude, I, I'm actually pretty excited. Uh, I know that might be controversial to a certain extent, given the team is, you know, where they started and kind of where they're at. Right. But not to steer it away from the Blazers, but I can't remember uh, as a league pass guy. I can't remember enjoying a season as much as I'm enjoying this one. I like agree. Every night, Sean, we turn on our TV. If we're not watching the Blazers and watching Dame and company, I get to watch Giannis go for 50 easily. I get to watch Luca go for 60. I get to watch uh, Donovan Mitchell get 71 in overtime and beat the Bulls. Like it's just, it's a premium of offense. I think it's the most talented the league's ever been. And I know that makes nineties basketball fan really upset to say, but the international aspect of this league has changed this thing. And so I know we'll get into the blazers and some of their defensive woes, but it's not like there's a whole lot of defense being played in the league this day. So uh, I'm enjoying it. The team is a little better than I, I kind of thought they would not by Uh a lot, but a little bit. And, you know, we imagine there's going to be a trade and now GP two is back and hopefully he can get more healthy and start being more in the, in the swing of things, but I'm enjoying it. It's a great season. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad that you, we brought, you know, you were starting with the GP two thing because there's just been such a, and I get it certainly, but and I because and I've talked about this before, but the organization I don't think handled the messaging very well around that entire situation. But every time he got ruled out for a game, I would just you know either it be in my mentions or you know I'd be like I, I look I look on Reddit, I look in like various Discord servers just to kind of get a pulse for like what people are talking about because that's kind of part of the part of the gig for for me is just to kind of see what the conversation is. Every time he doesn't play in a game, it's is this Festus Azili all over again? The Blazers are just cursed. And then even, honestly, even yesterday, so he played in that first game against Detroit. He only played 13 minutes, but he looked pretty good. He looked, you know, exactly like you, you know, he did exactly the kind of stuff you expect Gary Payton II to do. He did this kind of stuff mm-hmm. that he was doing against the Warriors. Then they came out with the injury report yesterday. We're recording this at around noon or 1230 on uh, Wednesday. They play uh, Minnesota in a few hours. So we're not going to talk about that game very much because by the time most people listen to this, it's going to be dated. But uh, they come out with the injury report yesterday, and he's listed as questionable with a right ankle sprain. He tweaked his ankle in like early in his first half shift of the Pistons game he stayed in 
Mm-hmm. And then he came back in and played in the second half, and then he said after the game that he felt fine. So, like, this ankle injury is really probably... I, I have no idea whether he's going to play tonight or not. He, he may, he may not. I, I, I don't, as we're recording this, I don't know. It's not anything serious, but as soon as, like, they list him, he comes back after, you know, missing the first, you know, almost half the season. He's listed as questionable with a very minor ankle thing. And people just go right back into, oh, my God, we're cursed. We just got him back, and now he's already hurt again. This is a disaster. <laughs> like, and... <laughs> What, what is it that, like, makes it... I mean, I know part of it is just that, like, there's the history with this franchise of, like, you know, with the Brandon Roy, Greg Oden, Bill Walt, like, all of that, whatever. But, mm-hmm. like, people just go immediately to worst-case scenario on everything. I don't know whether that's because of the history of the franchise or that's just because people online, like, in this day and age, not even just in sports, are just generally pessimistic about everything. But it's always just really interesting to me to watch. Yeah, no, it's... um. I agree 100% with what you said at the beginning there on GP. Like, the messaging got completely haywire. Mm-hmm. Like, the team coming out and saying, you know, we aim for him to be ready by opening night. And then that turned into, I think, some na- – one of the national – reevaluated in two weeks. Yeah, reevaluated. Right. Well, the, we I, well, their first mistake, and this is the, the other the thing that kind of made it. And I still – like, I've asked. I still haven't gotten really a good answer for why they did this. But they didn't announce the surgery until september like a week before training camp and he had the surgery in july Mm -hmm. like and this is something like i've 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 said this directly to you know the people involved like i think that like i think overall since the you know new regime took over about a year ago i think overall they've done a pretty good job of being transparent about this kind of stuff they've been pretty good about giving regular updates like when dame was out with the calf and when other guys have been out with stuff this was the one thing that i think they haven't handled the right way well you know here's the thing i i i agree with that first of all but second like i i was going back and i was thinking about this because we talked about this on on our pod and and like the reaction to it which by the way there's like four people who cover this team on a consistent basis it's got to drive you nuts you're you're writing a great piece on GP and his in his return, and you're putting in there not Festus Azili. This is not the same thing. Well, the other thing. So here's what here here's the thing, and I actually got thrown a curveball, and I kind of I and this is you know this is on me for just like not do you know taking the one extra step, but uh, and you will have gotten this because you're an email subscriber. Yeah, but I've had the post in drafts for like two weeks. Whenever he was upgraded to questionable, because I had just assumed that the first step when he was going to return was the day, because the day before the game at five o'clock, they have to turn in the injury report for the following day's games. Mm -hmm. And he's always been listed as out since the season started. And so what I assumed was going to happen was if he was like, if he had said, I'm going to play against Detroit, then the day before the game, they would have upgraded. They would have listed him as questionable. And so I had the headline in my email subject line to send out in the newsletter Gary Payton upgraded to questionable nearing return. Yeah. I changed, and, but and, like in in my system, this is getting into a little bit of in the weed stuff here. But this is just how much like it can kind of mess with us when we, you know, when you're on the beat and you have to just kind of have this stuff uh, ready to go. I've had that post in draft for like two weeks, and you just have to change the details of like this right. is the game that he's going to play. This is the game, blah blah blah. He's missed this many games. Like you just update that kind of stuff in the post. When the injury report came out, and he was just straight up not on the injury report, he wasn't listed as questionable, listed as probable, they just didn't have him on the injury report, which clearly was a signal that he was going to play. Uh, I changed the headline for the website article to say Gary Payton available to play versus Pistons. I did not click the one extra box 
to also change the email subject line because they're two different things in the system. <laughs> so when then like I just clicked it, I was like, okay, this is this is happening. I got to get this out right away. I changed mm-hmm. the headline. I forgot to click that one box, and so it went up on the website with the proper headline that said Gary Payton available versus Pistons. But the email that went out to my however many subscribers I have said Gary Payton upgraded to questionable, even though that wasn't what happened, just because I had assumed for three weeks or whatever that that was what was going to happen. And then right. I immediately had to send out a correction email, just be like, hey, the subject line of my last email was wrong. So I was just kind of annoyed at myself for that. But yeah, it's like, I mean, there have been, you know, some people that cover the team that have complained about the amount of questions that Chauncey has been asked about this. Mm-hmm. But I mean, the job is the job as much as like we, even if we know he's not going to say anything new about it, like our job, when we have access to these people, you and I talked about this on the last time I had you on, when we were talking about Joe being willing to go on your show, our job, when we have access to these people is to ask the questions that the fans want to know the answers to. And the number one question with this team for the last month really has been, when is Gary Payton going to play? And so when, you know, Chauncey, I guess, is the one because like Joe hasn't done like a formal, you know, press conference since media day and they hadn't made Gary to, available to us in a while. And so Chauncey is the one that is out there to field those questions. And so we have to ask him. Well, you know, that's one. That's an odd thing for people to complain about. Like it's one of their few. I mean, he was a pretty big deal when they picked him up. They yeah. gave him a contract like he that's was not their big some, free agency signing. He yeah, was, that wasn't was, some vet min that you brought in and he's been a two way guy like this is a dude that just won a chip. And it's a it's a recognized. He was a name. starter on a team that won a title. He he played Six in Oregon before. State like yeah. he's got all these different tie ins to why it's a big deal. I You know, I, I think the interesting thing with GP2 is I think the reason they didn't announce the injury, the surgery my theory, it's just a theory. Okay. When you go back to when they were making decisions on who to give a contract to, it kind of seemed like it boiled down to him and Bruce Brown. Did it not? I mean, that's kind of the, yeah, that was, so, that was the other guy they were looking at. And so if you don't go Bruce Brown, you go GP two. What are you met with? If you go, Hey, we've paid GP this amount of money. He just got core surgery. He might be out for six months. You're going to be met with immediate Oh, pitchforks and knives and well, right, but you were met with that anyway when you announced it. Like you gotta, you gotta just, you know, at a certain, at a certain point, you gotta just ignore the, you know, as if 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 it wasn't like something totally egregious, like, and the reason that I had to keep telling people that this wasn't the same thing as the Festus Azili thing is that Festus Azili, by like before he signed with the Blazers in 2016, he had already had season-ending knee surgery with the Warriors. We all kind of knew he had this degenerative condition where it was like not a surprise like honestly as soon as they signed him i remember most people saying he's probably never going to play and they probably just signed him as like salary you know filler in a trade which ended up never happening because he had to have another surgery but i I tend not to mean this as a negative anyway i I actually think it's kind of a compliment even though it might not sound like it Uh i've lived i've lived here my whole life man i've seen this city and it, it it circles around this franchise in a way that very few cities and fan bases do with with NBA basketball because uh-huh. it's our our big prize. Right. The people who complain or freak out and scream Festus Azili and what a mistake and oh he's just gonna get hurt and oh he's already missing a game. I I think the reason they're that way uh, is because of everything you na- like. You get Bill Walton, you win a chip, you're on track to do it again. Broken foot. I hate the franchise. Goodbye. Uh, you get Brandon Roy, you get the Sabonis edition late, not in his prime, but still effective. 
you get the game seven collapse, you get Roy, Odin, et cetera. You get these things. It's why I jokingly say Portland can't have nice things right. because we get so close and then it's taken away from us. Dame's been the one nice thing we've had in a decade. And I think people are just conditioned here, Sean, to overreact to the injuries and assume it's going to be the next big injury. But in the same way, that passion, what happens when a player stays healthy and produces? It turns into, we can't trade Josh Hart. There's no way you can trade Josh Hart. It's the same fan. Way same worse fan. players than Josh Hart have been untouchable. <laughs> in well, the eyes you know of what I mean? Fans. Yeah. yeah. Oh, never, I. We can never I trade remember, Joel Prisbilla. Like, I'm, no I'm old enough to. I'm old enough to remember the outrage when Travis Outlaw got traded for yes. uh, Marcus Camby. <laughs> it was. It was the Nick Batum is untouchable. Travis Outlaw is untouchable. Hey, Craig Smith might be something. The Rhino. The Rhino. It's like Rudy Fernandez was also untouchable for a while. Yes. Sean, these are to me, and, and again, I mean it as like it's passion, but I think uh -huh. that I'm a, I think we're identifying in that that's the same fan, right? Yeah, and so I like there's got to be measured reason here, and yeah, it sucks that he's already maybe out for the first game after his first game, but man, this wasn't going to be a championship team this year, it's no. a multi year contract. We got to be realistic here, and I, I care more about his health long term and not freaking out about him missing the next game. This is also just, like, this injury. Like, it's not, like, a serious long-term injury, the core muscle thing. But I've talked to... I think I said this when Danny was on with me last week. But uh, I've talked... Because Nasir Little is the other guy besides GP and Dame that have had this surgery in the last year. And I've talked to Nasir about this before. Because he's now had three major injuries in the last year. He had the shoulder mm -hmm. surgery. He had the core muscle. And he has this hip surgery that he's dealing with now. And I, you know, I was just talking to him like a couple weeks ago. And I asked him, like, which of the, out of the three, which one is the worst one to live with day to day? And he said that out of the three, the one that was like the most painful just on an everyday basis was the core muscle one. Because you can't even, like, if you laugh, if you, like, if you, like, exert too much energy laughing, like, it hurts your stomach, and then that's connected to, like, your pelvis and, and all this other, like, he just, like, from, the, in terms of, like, day-to-day -day pain management, and if you're Gary Payton, you know, he, his entire career has been getting calls up, call-ups from the G League and being on these one-year minimum deals or these non-guaranteed deals, or I think he was on a two-way with the Wizards at one point or something, or, like, getting these 10-day contracts and, like, not really having a solid place in the league. Mm -hmm. And he felt like he had, when, when, you know, when Chauncey has talked about, like, the mental side of it with him. And, you know, Gary himself, when we've asked him about it, he's kind of downplayed it. He has, so far I've gotten the idea, like, he seems like a really fun guy and a fun personality, but he doesn't really say much. He doesn't really go into much detail. But the sense that I've gotten from Chauncey and from other people is that for the first time in Gary's career, he signed a multi-year contract. He has job security now. He doesn't have to worry about, if I don't play through this injury and gut it out, I'm not going to get my next contract. And so now that he has that security for the first time, he can be like, okay, now if I have to sit out an extra couple weeks to really get this right, I can do that. And it's not going to cost me the rest of my career and not getting another contract. Right. I mean, he's already kind of on the timeline of playing for the next contract in a way. That's like yeah. that's kind of the business they, they they live in is like, OK, you're one of this is almost done. It's halfway. Basically, as you point out with the season, here we go. We're already kind of working towards maybe getting the next deal. I think the other aspect, the reason I don't freak out is one. I, I've covered that dude since college. He single. I mean, he got help, but like he single handedly took a program at Oregon State that hadn't been in the tournament for 25 years and he carried it back to the NCAA tournament. He's a two-time defensive player of the year in the Pac-12. And as you mentioned, he caught on with the Warriors. I got to ask you, 
the mental side of sports is one that I think a lot of us overlook. We instantly project uh-huh. our best selves into the sport and say, oh, I would play no matter what. No, you wouldn't. When a, <laughs> exactly. When a guy is mentally tough and then he sustains something that bothers him, that's it's a nuisance. I think we overlook that part of it. Like he might be ruled fine physically, but when I watched him against Detroit, Sean, am I crazy? Did he look like he was a little thinner than when he was in Golden State? Like almost as if he's not lifting as much because he's trying to rehab this. He's trying to get conditioning. I just think there's a lot more at play with this. And a big part for him has got to be mental because that dude is tough as nails. He hasn't endured something like this. And I think he's trying to get mentally back to where he was. It looked like he was against Detroit. And now you just keep waiting for him to feel better and better physically, start lifting a little bit more. Because when he was in Golden State in the finals, man, he looked like a bulldog. And I saw him in that Detroit game. I'm like, he looks a little little thinner than when he was at at the end of the finals last year. I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case. We haven't really gotten a lot of details on his rehab. They've kind of kept that stuff. Like, all we've ever gotten was like, oh, he's doing more. He's doing more. We haven't gotten the details of like, oh, he's lost this much weight or he hasn't done this much lifting. I think there's probably something to what you said there and about him being tough as nails i think that's the other part of it that i think people miss because also whenever like it seemed you know like oh he might play in this next game and then he doesn't the other thing besides the festus azili thing that i saw a lot of like fan comments on either again either on like those subreddits or in you know wherever else uh and again i know you can't take that stuff as the gospel but i do kind of view it as like an obligation to just, you know, read that stuff and just kind of see what people are talking about. And the other refrain that I've kind of gotten was, he got paid and now he's just chilling. He's stealing money from the fr- – it's like Gary Payton II is a dude that has, like, grinded from the G League for, you know, five or six years in order to even get an NBA contract. Like, that is not a guy that's going to just – now that he's got his money, he's just going to chill and, like, stop, you know, stop. Or like, that's – but, you know, the the mental side of it is it's, it's really interesting because I – this is obviously on a much larger scale than the GP2 thing, but I was still covering, I was covering the Bulls. My the, my first year covering the Bulls was the year after Derrick Rose missed the whole year with the, for the because he had the first ACL in the 2012 playoffs. He missed the whole next season recovering from that ACL. And my first year on the beat was the following year where he played 10 games of that season and looked actually looked pretty good. And then tore his meniscus and was out the rest of the year. But I still remember like there was still a lot of, just because there was so much uncertainty about like when he was going to play. And then like people in the organization leaked to different reporters that, Hey, you know, he's medically cleared to play, you know, it's up to him. And then that led to fans being like, Oh, he's soft. He doesn't want to come back. He quit on his team. He's just, you know, stealing money, blah, blah, blah. Like, when you have that kind of injury, like part of it is like you are worried and, you know, they're obviously a very different level of player, you know, Derek Rose coming off an MVP season, tearing his ACL versus Gary Payton, the second, you know, signed to a mid-level deal to be a, you know, a reserve and like a role player. Right. They're different things. And these are obviously different, like core muscle versus a torn ACL. They're like different severity of injuries. But when you have an injury that, you know, keeps you out, Part of it, I mean, you can physically get back to wherever you need to get back to in terms of, like, physically your body is healed. But then in your mind, you're, st- you're still like, can I do this, you know, or do you know, do I have to, uh, 
you know, do I have to change how I move in order to not re-injure? It's like a whole extra layer of things that you think about and everybody kind of processes it differently. And I, there's not really a right or wrong way to do it. It's just everybody kind of like, there are some guys like, like Russell Westbrook will like play through anything and just, you know, doesn't like, doesn't care. Like he has a knee surgery. He's back in six weeks. He, you know, gets a you know broken face, has to wear a mask has like this literal, you remember when he had like a literal dent in his, yeah, in, like the I side remember of his that. forehead. Yeah. Yep. Like a, a, a number of years ago, I forget what year it was, <laughs> but that year, and he just like kept playing. Like there are some guys who are wired like that who are just gonna keep playing no matter what, and then there are right. other guys who are like, nope, I'm you know I'm gonna just make sure I don't get re injured. I you know, and you know I don't think there's you know I don't I'm not like making any kind of value judgment about like one is right or one is wrong or one is more noble than the other because you know we're not in the position of you know these guys' yeah. bodies. I I mean, and I also just when you get to this level everybody wants to play like there's nobody who's nobody who's i i i realize like the perception about certain guys can be certain things but when you're competitive enough to make it in the nba or the nfl or you know whatever sport you're not gonna then suddenly turn around and say you know what i don't want to play i just want to get paid and not and not and not play these guys want to play these guys always want to play right like you you saw like earlier this season when dame had the uh a couple of different times he had the calf injury i had heard that you know he wanted to come back in those two phoenix games on that first road trip and the team literally had to tell the equipment managers don't put his jersey in his locker to even give him the idea that he could play because he's going to want to play and we don't want him to play yet like that's right. really that more often than not that's kind of more the thing it is when a guy when, it, when somebody is out later than was expected it's the medical staff saying, no, 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 no. But now with GP, it was a little bit of a different thing because he was actually cleared to play. And Chauncey basically confirmed this the last time we talked to him about it at practice before he played that, you know, whenever Gary came to him and said, I'm ready to play, they would have played him. But, uh, you know, it was, I also, I, I understand why he was like, yeah, you know, I want to take a little bit of extra time to do this. Like, I, I, I get it. Personally. Well, yeah, no, I, I, I a hundred percent get it. And, you know, I love the Westbrook comparison. I mean, that, there's no other way to say it like guys like Russell Westbrook exist in this league, but largely those are football players that right. are incredibly gifted enough to play basketball. And you don't, you don't have a lot of that, right? It's, it's why I kind of chuckle at LeBron playing football. Like the same guy that's flopping when he doesn't get hit in the face <laughs> is going to go out and take a hit from a linebacker. I don't think so. Uh, but, but on GP, if, if any Blazer fan needs like a refresher of let's be careful judging these athletes and who they are mentally. Look no further than Golden State with Andrew Wiggins. That oh, was yeah. a guy whose career was completely over. Oh, what a bust. He's not good. He can't produce. He's soft. He's weak. And then he goes to the right situation and he finds his role and he thrives and he becomes an all-star and he becomes a defensive juggernaut for a team that needs defense. I think GP, I think a big part for him mentally and this is just me spitballing because I don't have a relationship with him. There's almost nobody on this Blazer team. Maybe Josh Hart, probably Yusuf Nurkic because he gets hit in the face so much, and obviously Dame. There's not a lot of players on this roster, Sean, and even in the league that play as physical as Gary Payton II when uh -huh. he's out there, fighting over screens, you know, stepping up defensively, taking on guys who are bigger, going into the post. Justice Winslow dudes. is another one. That dude plays through anything. I mean, those they, they are kind of built with physical, like, basketball players. And That's so, something that they've self-selected. That's something that Joe Cronin and Chauncey Billups have both, like, 
self-selected for basically with this they roster. want dogs they want dogs and gary payton the second is a dog now what happens when a dude plays that physical and sustains something that's unfamiliar and foreign to him i think you get a bit of the am i ready for this you know i i like to run the uh-huh. side of my foot got messed up to the point where when i ran my foot feels broken now i could get it but there's a part of me that's like i i just don't think I, I don't think we should be casting upon judgment and ideas of who this person is mentally when they're they're built to physically play a certain style. And sure, he was medically cleared, but you got to get past the hurdle of, do I feel like I can play my normal game? Right. If he can, he'll be out there. And he did. And he, I thought he showed who he was and what yeah. he's going to bring to this team against Detroit. Well, I want to get there next because I, you know, what do you think about like, like, where do you see him now that, you know, let's assume that, you know, over the next few weeks, let's say he doesn't have like any setbacks. Maybe he misses tonight with the ankle, whatever. Like that's not a big deal, but he is now like, and from everything I know, like, Justice Winslow and Nasir Little, who are the two other guys who are out right now, mm-hmm. they should be back in the next couple of weeks. I think we had been like under the impression that uh, you know Nasir, that Josh or Justice Winslow, they said he was out two weeks, but he was uh, you know the injury looked bad enough that Danny and I were talking about like he's going to be out longer than that. But I saw him the other night, and he was walking without the boot and without crutches and that's good more normally yeah and nasir i've gotten the impression that he's still on that six week timeline which would mean about two weeks from now like it could be possible that he's back and he could so we're we're talking about unless there's like another injury that comes up in the next couple weeks which is obviously always possible because it's the nba and games happen every night it is possible that in like two weeks we're gonna see this team fully healthy with every one of their players available for the first time all season. So I'm really interested. I'm interested in kind of what your thoughts are on this. What you think, you know, how that's all going to look now that like you, when you get everybody else back and now you have Gary Payton, that's still like trying to find his way into the mix. Like, how do you see those minutes kind of being divided up or that, you know, that part of the rotation? Yeah, man. How hard is that by the way, for Chauncey? It's a good problem to have. It's a great problem to have, but I ask this, like, how do you determine your closing lineup with this group? You could instantly say, well, you just go back to the starters. And I, I would understand that. But what if you need defensive help? I kind of feel like you want to put GP out there so that, you know, you want to stick. I mean, right. not, that, not that anybody can guard Luka, but you want someone like that that you can just stick on Luka and just hound him. I also think Chauncey, depending on matchups, is going to play a lot of offense for defense. I, I mm-hmm. won't be stunned if you see Ant, GP kind of back and forth, depending like on the staggered. style of game. Yeah, stagger him a little bit. And so... You know, I, I think when you have a premier perimeter defender like that, you you got to – once he gets to where he feels the most comfortable, you've got to find a w- way to get that guy 20 minutes. Who gets the short end of that stick? I I, I don't know. I, I kind of think you need know, Justice's size, but if Gary can make up for what Justice is kind of doing, I kind of think Gary's a little better offensively. I, I personally, and I know this goes back to an old conversation we had on my radio show. I don't want Shaden to lose many minutes, Sean. I, <laughs> I, I, I want them to keep balancing this like, hey, play the rookie while we're still trying to compete and win, get back to the playoff thing. So I don't know. I, I, if you were to make me pick, I, I kind of think Justice ends up getting kind of the short end of this stick. Gary goes in, gets heavier minutes as the season rolls on. Um it's matchup dependent too with size, but I think if I'm to pick somebody to get the short end, it's probably going to be justice. 
and then it's just a matter of matchups. What do you need? What are you looking for? Right. Offense for defense, and and Chauncey's going to have his pick of the litter. But as you mentioned, it's a, it's a good problem to have. What this I think is also going to do is, uh, you know, I'm not. I, to be clear, uh, you know, I have to since I'm a beat writer that covers the team. I have to do the. I'm just saying stuff. I'm not reporting anything. Don't aggregate this. Like the Brian, the Brian, the Brian Windhorse aggregators thing. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Having Gary Payton available and able to take some of these minutes, whether it be Josh Hart or Justice Winslow or whoever, with, you know, the trade deadlines about a month from now, it certainly makes some of this, some of these other pieces a lot, more expendable when it comes to you know what joe has said about wanting to balance the roster Mm -hmm. wouldn't it oh absolutely i mean i i was thinking about this today like jabari's minutes are getting up oh yeah increasing jabari he's looking good kind of a small ball five role um you know i know drew's limited to what he is but he's been good for him for what his role has been yeah um i more wonder like how the trade deadline stuff and we assume they're going to be really active. They've got some, I think they've got some pieces. They've created, I think more assets for themselves than where they were originally. But um, I don't know how you balance Jabari, Shaden, Gary back now, justice, Josh with what you're going to do in the trade deadline. And I, I wonder how much of Chauncey and Joe kind of talking behind the scenes, how much that's going to determine what we see minutes wise. You know, if we get closer to what's the trade deadline, Sean, is it February 9th, 9th, let's say we get to the end of January, early February. Well, if Josh's minutes are going down, I, (laughs) I kind of think we see the writing on the wall, that situation. I think a lot of it's just going to depend on what Chauncey's doing with minutes. And if you see some of those minutes change and fluctuate to a point where you haven't seen them, I think it's going to be pretty telling that something is on the horizon. What we do know is. Not Dame, not Ant, not Shaden, probably not Jabari, and not GP or Jeremy. So there's right. your six. Right after that, I, I think it's all kind of uh, up in the air and, and wild card given what the market's going to be for, for what they're looking at. Because we assume, right, it's a safe assumption. I'll ask you. You're the reporter. Safe assumption they're looking ideally for a three, but we don't know what threes are going to be available. I think think the idea would still i mean yes but i also think that they all they know that the starting and i know nurk has been better lately Mm -hmm. but i still think that this five spot is the one that they would ideally like to upgrade but again we don't know who's gonna be like everything is here's the thing i've asked around like everything's quiet right now. If, if there's yep. not really a lot of like trade rumors being reported right now, that's not because we're all sitting on stuff that we know that we just don't want to share. I was at the G league showcase last week in Vegas where like yeah. a lot of NBA personnel are and like GMs and stuff. And I was asking around, like, what are people talking about? Like who's like, who's getting, you know, who's on the block, you know, who's available. There's nothing right now. And this is another thing that is kind of, you know, something else I want to kind of get into with you as somebody who, you know, also, you know, watches like me, you know, is focused on this team, but also kind of watches the whole league and knows what's going on. We're still in a place where everything is so jumbled together with the standings 
that no teams, even like a team like Indiana, like I think everybody just assumed like, yeah, Indiana is going to trade Miles Turner at the deadline, but they're in sixth right now in the East. They might just, you know, ride this out. They've been a lot better than expected. Mm-hmm. Like every single team, except like, there's a handful of teams like, you know, the Detroits and San Antonio's and Houston's and the teams that are like, we know what they're doing. Every other team pretty much can talk themselves into, we just have one good week and we're up to third in our conference. Like, right, like, just just this past couple of weeks, like, Phoenix was a team that looked like they were just running away with the conference, and they've been in tailspin since Devin Booker got hurt, and he's going to be out for another few weeks. Uh, New Orleans has been looking like they're running, like, they're really separating themselves as one of the top teams in the West, and they just announced yesterday that Zion Williamson is out mm-hmm. at least a few weeks with a hamstring thing. Like, you know, Denver has been awesome lately, and Jokic has been incredible, but they still have, like, you know, Murray's been in and out of the lineup. They still have some kind of depth issues. Like, mm-hmm. you know, Memphis has had guys in it. Like, everybody, like, the West is still wide open enough that none of these teams are really thinking, oh, we're out of it. We're just going to sell off our pieces. And so nobody really knows who's available, and I don't I don't even know how much of it's going to get figured out by the deadline. I mean, some of it kind of has to because teams are going to have to make decisions about these guys one way or the other, but everything is so up in the air right now. There's not really, even in the East, like, we, you know, you asked me a month ago, I would say, you know, it's clearly just Boston and Milwaukee and then a huge gap and everybody, and then everybody else. Well, you know, Boston slipped a little bit. Brooklyn is coming on, you know. Cleveland. Philly's a game out of fourth. Yeah, yeah Cleveland is, Cleveland's been good. Like, everything mm-hmm. is just so, like, nobody really knows who the good teams are and who just the okay teams are. Everybody is like, everybody's one good week away from being in the top four and everybody's one bad week away from being in the play-in. Do you, th- yeah, I, yeah, I think that's a good point is, and also, you know, I, I know when Banyama and, and Scoot Henderson are, right. there's GMs salivating over the idea of having them, right? Greg Popovich, I've said this before, there's not, there's nobody more excited to have Victor Wynn-Banyama on their team than Greg Popovich. Dude loves international bigs, and he gets one that's like a cheat code. He's 7'4 and can dribble and shoot. He also be- has like a connection because the, he he played on the team in the French league that Tony Parker is like a part of. Right, so. right. I mean, there's that's Mr. International right there in Greg Pop. Uh, but I wonder, do you think right now of the two teams, let's just stick in the West, right? Do you think there's two teams, other teams like Portland and uh, Memphis or Dallas or any contender playoff team that wants to make the playoffs that you would label? Are there two teams more that people are keeping an eye on and going, oh, oh, that situation's not going well than Utah? Because we know that they have assets that they probably want to sell off because Danny doesn't want to win with his group. Or Minnesota with Cat. Because I, I don't know what that situation is in Minnesota. That I couldn't have been more wrong. On I was team. wrong too. I, I was, I was, I liked, and I wrote this I loved on what. It. This I was one it. of the last pieces that I wrote for BR before, you know, my time there ended, right? When that yeah. trade happened. I wrote that I like it when teams actually try to take a swing and, you know, try to move up. And mm-hmm. I thought on paper the Gobert Towns thing would be a perfect fit because they cover up for each other's weaknesses a kind of at both ends of the floor. It's yeah. just that you know, the, the mix of personalities just hasn't been yeah. good. I actually, I just had Chris Hine of the Minneapolis Star Tribune on the Show. good guy good uh, reporter chris is great yeah but i yeah. just had him on a few weeks ago when they had the two games here against the timberwolves and we talked about a lot of this stuff but that you and i i think we're both on the same page about that i think that it's much more likely that utah goes into sell mode than minnesota does mm-hmm. because like you said i think like utah came into the season thinking 
you know, they had just traded Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell for, you know, a million draft picks. And everybody kind of expected them right now to be where the Houston and San Antonio and Oklahoma City tier Mm -hmm. of the West was. And then they had the start to the season that they had, and people were like, oh, no, are the Jazz actually good? But now they've now they've kind of started to come back down to earth a little bit. They're in 10th right now in the West, and they're kind of on the bubble of, you know, falling out of the play-in. And so in a couple weeks, if, uh, you know, if, if, if they continue to slide or, you know, let's say like the Wolves or the Lakers or something, like one of those teams overtakes them in the, in the 10th spot – then I think Danny might be like, okay, you know, this was this was a fun start. People are feeling good about the future. Let's, you know, let's 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 pull the plug on this. I think that's much more likely than uh, Minnesota already right now, less than half a season into just going all in on the Gobert Towns uh, Anthony Edwards thing. The, the just one... already saying, yeah, let, this is right. It. Let's give up. It, I don't think. I don't. I think. I think the soonest that would happen with Towns would be this off season. Sure, that, it's entirely possible. I saw a thing right before I hopped on with you that Russell, I guess, retweeted some cryptic thing and then unfollowed the team on I Instagram. And I'm just like, <laughs> yeah, oh, I God. saw that. I, lo- I always, I always love it when we do this. The I do too. It's following who on, and you know, the thing is, you know, that like a lot of players do this stuff intentionally just because they know that everything he's going to scrutinize everything so they'll do with do this kind of stuff just like to to mess with people i remember uh over the uh you know like right after game seven of the phoenix dallas uh series there was a some tweet that was like DeAndre Ayton needs to get out of uh get, get out of Phoenix and go join Dame in Portland and Dame liked the tweet and that was like a whole <laughs> news cycle for a day. The Phoenix is another one that's kind of interesting to me because they like I I mean they uh, they looked awesome the first month of the season and then yeah. you know Chris Paul was out for a while now he's back but he's not he's looking he's now finally looking like father time is catching up he's looking like yeah Yeah. he's he's looking like that's kind of starting to you know he started the decline that people thought was going to happen for the last couple of years that didn't now finally is and now booker is out for a while and they've been losing lately and you know i still don't think the vibes are great with monty williams and the aiden thing is worn out to me like they've been caught I think two or three times I've seen they've been on yeah. the bench yelling at each other. They didn't want to keep him anyway. They no. they, they matched him. They, they they matched the offer sheet because Indy signed him to that offer sheet, and they just didn't want to lose him for nothing. But like everybody knows. But here, did you see the story that Wendy had yesterday about uh, how even though he's technically suspended for a year, Robert Sarver still has veto power over a lot yes, of trades. Over the trade on 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 Aiton and what he's gonna do. Like I'll I, bet Sarver vetoes any eight and trade even though he has already agreed to sell the team which you know in that situation like i get it but i wish silver would step in and be like dude no you're gonna allow them to make trades legally he legally i don't know how much they can do though that's 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 something that that, because that i mean uh, again i'm not reporting anything new here no we're just spitballing well no but the blazers did and this has been out there they did kick the tires on eight and in the spring when it seemed like there was no way he was possibly going to go back to Phoenix. Like they talked about it and it just was not possible at the time because there was just too much weird stuff that had to happen with the salary cap and like the sign and trade stuff in order to make the money work. But if he were to be truly available at the deadline, I would imagine 
that that would be something that Portland would be interested in revisiting just because Joe's entire philosophy has been, we want to take the highest upside swing imaginable and, you know, a 23 year old former number one pick who actually looked really good. And it's just, it's just maybe like a, it it could be like another Nurkic situation in Denver where he was just in a situation that had run its course and then he gets somewhere else and is, and he's a lot better. Like that's a bet that I could see them making. It's just Mm -hmm. now a matter of, you know, if that were to be on the table with this extra wrinkle of the Robert Sarver thing, like, and him having veto power. And you have to also keep in mind that one of the primary reasons that they drafted Aiton and not Luca, remember they hired Luca's coach from Slovenia as their coach, Igor Kokoshkov, and then didn't draft him. And part of why they didn't draft him was because Robert Sarver is a huge U of A booster. Yeah, think about idiotic moves. Like that's one of the all-time stupidest. I mean, that also. I mean, Aiden, the thing is, Aiden was really Aiden's really good, was. and he was, and he, you know, he was really good in the finals against uh, Milwaukee, and he was really good up until game. Like he was really good all last year, and then you know, up until that game seven of the of the Dallas series, he was really like. It's not like they. It's not like you know the the, the one that's really indefensible is you know Sacramento taking Marvin Bagley at two instead of Luka. especially like, when. Yeah, Vladi knew Luca. He knew of Luca for years. Well, what and- I actually heard about that is that, and this oh, is on. this is going to be the most Kings thing imaginable. What I've heard about that is that Vlade was self conscious about being pigeonholed as like, of course he took the Euro guy, and so he kind of outsmarted himself, and that's why he didn't take. Uh, that's ridiculous. You I know it is, but I- that's why the Kings are the Kings. The Kings are another team that's like a, a real good vibes team so far. They're this fun. Year. They're yeah, fun. I, I, that game last night against uh, Utah, that was a fun game to watch. Fox is having a great year. Yeah, that was awesome. Can I can I go back to, to uh, two things? So totally. you and I both agreed on Minnesota. Yes. The one caveat I always said on that was, like, I understand why people don't like that. It's a lot of assets to give for a dude who's not offensively gifted. Right. The one thing that was the saving grace for Minnesota, that could be end up being a bad deal. But you've got four assets if you ever wanted to trade move and you return some of the haul that you just gave up if you moved cat you'd get a decent return if you move russell there's going to be a team that gives you something for him and so it's it's like an easy tradable fixable thing if you trust the right people in charge the one team in the east i want to point to because portland's been in this same situation yeah and you get two schools of thought in portland blow it up and tank or culture and playoffs matter for an organization I still think Indiana could end up selling on Miles Turner because they're still going with the young thing. Halliburton's having a good stint there right now. Uh, Matherin's been a great rookie for them. I still wouldn't be surprised if they traded Miles Turner for assets to desperate teams because, oh, by the way, Miles Turner's going to be a free agent this summer. And even with the subtraction of Turner, Sean, I still look at the East. I see Atlanta. Uh, Nate might walk away. The Wizards, you don't trust on a consistent basis. The Knicks are the Knicks, and the Heat might there's be uh, five. There's five teams in the East that we know are good. Yes. Milwaukee, Boston, Brooklyn, Philly, Cleveland. Yes, That's and I, I still think Matherin with Halliburton and whatever you got in return of that. I, I still think that's a team that could get to a play-in and still get balance of we can still build while we still build a culture. And that's not an easy thing to do, but Portland rode that line for years. And so I don't look at Indiana completely X them out of, of still, you know, potentially trading a Miles right. Turner given everything that they have going forward. 
Oh yeah, and I've I ever since the you know, the reports started to come out that oh you know they might do an extension with Miles Turner like they've they've opened negotiations I I was always just like yeah okay cool like I'm like it's, <laughs> it's nice it's nice that they're putting that out there for leverage right. so the teams will offer more like you got to really blow us away on this offer from this guy that we don't want to re- that we you know we we uh we love him so much we view him as such a long term part of the core that we signed DeAndre Ayton to this offer sheet then we were gonna pay him the max before they matched it like. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, it's also just like I mean, the the, the Toronto piece is the other one that I think yeah. is really you know, and this is something that I because I, I know that Portland had you know back in June they were pursuing OG pretty heavily, and mm-hmm. I, I think that if that were to come back into play, that would be something that Joe would be interested in revisiting. But I would guess this is not sourced. This is just my own kind of guess that I don't like. I think Masai is going to try to you know, get something for Van Vliet and get something for Gary Trent now. And if he's going to do anything with OG or Siakam, that would be more of an off-season thing than mm-hmm. at the deadline thing. Well, it's it's hard to want to trade 6'8", 6'8", 6'10". What's Scotty Barnes? 6'9", 6'10". Well, Scotty like... Barnes is the guy that I think is just like, if, if they do really pivot away, it's going to be to get you know, younger guys that are on it... his timeline. Like yeah, no, I yeah, I agree. I'm just saying, like, I think from Masai Van Vliet being not as great this year, Gary Trent being an at, like, I just think it, it's a little easier to part with the yeah. six three, six four, six five, six two guys than it is your six eight hyper athletic switchable athletes that you have. So Masai's got his pick of the litter. Toronto is an interesting one, no doubt. Uh, you know, how much they've played together health wise has not been quite what people think. They haven't played every game together as a healthy unit, but also still not having the season they want. Miami, I can't stop thinking about what is Miami doing? I That one feels weird. Lowry hasn't been quite what they wanted. Duncan has kind of played his way to the bench. Max Struess has taken a spot. Now Max Struess can't make a shot. So it's like, I, I, I don't know what Miami's going to do, but you assume with Pat Riley, they're always looking to buy to, to yeah. try to win now. So there's, there's assets to be had out there. It's just going to be a matter of what works for them financially. We know they're going to be in the tax next year. And... What does Joe look at when he sees this team? I think if 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 any one of us get to talk to him uh, at any time, you know, close to the deadline, if not after, I think it's going to be when you looked at this roster, what did you see and what did you identify as, ah, oh, this works for us. This works for us for this year. Get back to the playoffs. Maybe make a little bit of noise and then see what you can do in the offseason. Yeah, and I think that's been the plan the whole time. Like, they've been very transparent about, like, they aren't viewing this year as like the be all end all. Like they would, no. you know, they would like to, I haven't even like, they haven't even explicitly said, I mean, obviously for Dame it is, but like for, for Joe and for Chauncey, they haven't even explicitly said like, we're looking at the, not if we don't make the playoffs, it'll be a failure. Like they haven't, they aren't even putting those expectations on it. Now I think they are going to be in the playoffs. I think, as I think they are going to end up being good enough, especially because they have an easy part of their schedule coming up. I do think that they're a playoff team, but they're looking at this year entirely as a bridge year and an evaluation year. And I think what they know now, this is basically, and I wrote a piece about this a few days ago, but what they do, here's what I think what we do know now is Dame is Dame again. Like he's like back, he's back from the injury. He's, he's still Dame. Simons is, you know, made the leap into being that second scorer and he's, he's, he's legit and he's worth the contract. Jeremy Grant has been awesome. He's been like as perfect a fit as everybody, you know, thought it was going to be. 
and then like Shaden Sharp is also like he he's still kind of figuring it out as a rookie which you know you expect but they you know it's obvious like the upside is there and the talent is there and he's going to be good long term he may, it may not be this year but he's going to be good long term that's kind of what we know right now <laughs> everything else is just like mm-hmm. you know how do this guys feel like is Nurk the long term guy I would be inclined to say I don't think they think he is but like hey, that's still he's actually still been pretty good lately so that's kind of a question and like Josh Hart has been so important, but, you know, they've got to pay him after they also pay Jeremy. So, like, are they going to be able to do that? Are they going to, you know, or are they going to move him? Like, like where, you know, where does Nasir Little fit into all of this? Who they just signed to that extension that's, like, a pretty team-friendly... Like, it, there's just so much other stuff besides, like, we know about Dame Ant Jeremy, and we think we know what they think Shade and Sharp is going to be long-term, but everything else is just like, well, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think Joe's given himself some real flexibility with the situation. Uh, by the way, I, I know he's hurt. I know he's been out for some time, and it's you hate saying it because he's such a nice dude, but, like, injury-prone, understandable. I, I think the contract is, for Nas, something that teams, oh, yeah, you want you want to give us the 6'8 guy to match salary for whatever thing you want to end up doing. Well, he's hard to trade at the deadline this year because of the poison pill thing. Oh, touche! I forgot about that. He, well, because rem- remember, and for those of the people who don't know how this works, and I had a big, I had a big piece about this a few weeks ago, just about yeah. like, all their different trade assets. So go to shameless plug alert on my own podcast, RoseGardenReport.com. <laughs> go check that out. Sign up for a paid subscription to read yes. this. But uh, when you're in the final year of your rookie deal and you have a rookie extension that you signed that doesn't kick in until next year. When you trade that contract, and this is a lot harder. This is why, like, once the Knicks signed R.J. Barrett to that extension, then it became, like, basically hard—not impossible, but really, really difficult to include him in a trade for Donovan Mitchell, which is part of why that ended up not happening. But on a smaller scale, the way that that's going to—that would work with Nas is right now his—the final year of his rookie-scale deal is, like, $4 million or something, and his per-year amount on his next deal is seven. It's it's like and and the the way that those the way that it, it's called like a point it's called the poison pill provision, where when you're sending out salary for the team that you're like think the simplest way to explain it is that if you're trading away a player with that you know contract situation for the team that is taking that player, his salary counts for trade matching purposes as the average of all five years so. Oh, but so you take the four with the seven, and it's like a different number. It's some, something okay. like that, yeah. But okay. that's only for the team that's that's taking on that salary. For the Blazers, they would still only be able to count it as the four million that he's making this year. Oh, so you'd have okay, to, okay. you'd have to basically trade out. You you basically in order to match salaries, you could only trade him for like a four million dollar. It, it's gotcha. it's. I don't think they're gonna trade him at the deadline, both because it, it's hard to with the poison pill thing, but also because I mean, as much as he has had all these injuries, they gave him that extension because they do view him as somebody they'd like to keep around and somebody who is still young enough and they feel you know mentality wise is a part of what they want to do. And I and you know the way that the kind of player that he is and like I I think he's somebody that they're not like actively looking to move and that they would like to keep around. I, but I, I think I think it's unlikely he gets moved just because of like how complicated the cap math is with the contract stuff. Gotcha. No, I, I, that makes sense. I, I still think I mean it. You you have what 
four guys then? And by the way, I hope that they sign Jeremy Grant when they can sign him. I know he probably won't I do that. But, I think uh, that's going to happen. I don't know if it's going to happen on January 7th. But I, I just don't want him. I don't want him in the market. <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. I, don't I, think, I, I, I think if if he uh, – I would guess – I haven't actually talked to Joe about this, so I don't know what the actual plan is. I would guess that sometime before July 1st, they do get that extension done. But even if they don't, I think it's going to be like a Ant-style 12.01 on July 1st. Like, it's a done deal, out. Jeremy yeah. Grant has agreed to. Like, he's not going to even get to the point of talking to other teams. They didn't, they didn't trade for him. You know, Dame spent a year and a half trying to get him to Portland after playing with him at the Olympics. And then they traded for him, and he's been this perfect. They didn't do that to not re-sign him. So it's I, I know, one yeah. way or the other, it's going to happen. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be no. worried about that. Well, I'm. I'm just excited he's having an All Star season. He is. Oh yeah. Outside of you know Ant kind of living up to what the role was expected to be, Shaden playing more and and showing us like what Schmitz and Cronin and company thought of him. I, Jeremy's been this story for me. Like mm-hmm. Dame coming back and being healthy is great and breaking the record and all that. But like Jeremy to me has been the story of the season. Such a pleasant surprise for them. Finally going to – it looks like, you know, God willing, knock on wood, he stays healthy. It it feels like he's really kind of destined as one of those coaches' picks to be an NBA All-Star. I just don't know how Portland sits where they sit, and you play him, and he's getting you 23 a night, and, like, having that kind of level of production, he matters defensively for them. I, I don't know how he's not at this point. Uh, and so just them making that move – and getting a player like that, I know he's not like some superstar player, but getting a player of that caliber next to Dame, uh-huh. it's a it's a four Dame's never played with. So uh, I, I'm just glad that he's an all-star and that he appears to be pretty happy playing alongside Dame and, and being in Portland. Well, we'll see if he's actually an all-star. The problem is there's just so many. I, I know. Do you like, think, would you bet that he would be? Depends on where they are in the standings when they vote, because... Mm. Like, they're talking about Aaron Gordon right now as an all-star, which, you know, you could argue that Jeremy has had as good or better of a season as Aaron Gordon, but Denver's the one seed right now in Portland's at seven, and usually a team that's, unless it's, like, two name guys like LeBron James and Anthony Davis, which is, you know, I I don't think that's going to happen this year because AD's missed so much. You know what what I mean, though, unless it's two guys that on name ID alone are always going to be all-stars. Not too many teams that are seventh in their conference are going to have more than one All Star. It's pretty much a lock that Dame's going to be there. But I just yeah. I don't. If they're in the top four by the time by like mid January, whenever they coaches have to submit their votes, like I think there's a chance. But it's going to be uh, to me, it's going to depend entirely on where he is. Where they where say, they are. Yeah. yeah. One last time, I'll let you go soon. But uh, you, you mentioned this earlier. You and I. This is a debate that you and I had over the summer where I thought, and I, I've already been proven fully wrong about this, that it was going to take most of the year for Shaden Sharp to even get in the rotation at all, just because most rookies aren't ready to play on teams that are actually trying to win and aren't rebuilding. And you were saying you really just thought, like, oh, no, he's going to get playing time. He's too talented not to. Obviously, that's been the case since opening night. He's been in the rotation every night. He started to get, like, Chauncey has started to pull back a little bit. Like, there have been times that he didn't have a good first half. He's not going to play him in the second half. As somebody who was a huge proponent early on of giving him minutes and letting him play through mistakes, even though the team is trying to win, where how are you feeling about Shaden Sharp right now? Well, a broken clock is, is right twice a day, okay? <laughs> right, so yeah. if we're to talk basketball, you talk circles around me. That being said, I, I'm happy that in that kind of conversation, I was right. Um 
the minutes have reduced. I'd have to go check the last time. I think it was just prior to Detroit. I looked it up. He's playing six less minutes than when he did when they started the season. So Chauncey has kind of brought the reins back a little bit and said, yo, like, He's he's a little bit of a liability defensively. He kind of loses his guy way too often. I can't tell you how many times I see his hair moving because he's looking for his guy. Uh huh. He he's got some flaws. There's no doubt. I I think a big part for him, Sean, is physically. Uh-huh. He's got the tools. He can leap. He's a good athlete. If they can get that body, 15 pounds of muscle, I, I think it's going to be something that's going to pay big dividends for them long term. I I haven't changed much. I I see what everybody sees, but I see the upside. I see the shot making ability. I love that he can stretch the floor. Um, he's not he's not getting over his skis in 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 the in the way that like he's not a rookie getting the ball and instantly going and looking for his. You know, people have noted how he drifts off and he kind of plays the the low wing to corner. I like it. And also, by the way, he's he's a cutter. They they haven't had a lot of super hyper athletic guys that know how to move without the basketball. I'm more used to the Mo Harklesses who just kind of stand and wait. And while he does show that from time to time, I think watching him move without the basketball, get him familiar with that role, and then also just continuing to kind of show some trust. And I know that, again, they've pulled some of the minutes back, but uh-huh. I haven't wavered. I, I, I can see what people see, but y- you need this guy. Like, if this is going to be something you seriously think you can win and contend with, Guess what you're going to need, Sean? In this league, you're going to need the 6'5", hyper-athletic guy who's big enough to guard maybe three positions out there for you from time to time. And so far, I think he has shown you that he can. It's just going to be a matter of continuing to teach him on defense and letting him get through slumps. He had a great start, and then he went through a shooting slump. And then he's just kind of been hot and cold, hot and cold. I like what I saw in Detroit. We'll see. Again, people might listen to this the night of the the night after we'll see what he does against Minnesota. But I, so far I haven't wavered a minute. I I think him getting these minutes is very valuable to the long-term success of what they're kind of aiming to do here. I don't disagree with you. I'm just more curious where he's going to end up. Let's assume they make the playoffs, whether it's outright as a top six seed or out of the play. And let's assume they're in a playoff series against like, I don't know, Denver, Memphis, New Orleans, whatever. And at that point, there's no more, development you know give this guy some developmental minutes and let him play through mistakes then it becomes about like we have to do whatever we can to win four out of these next seven games that we're that we're playing i'm very curious by that point how comfortable chauncey's going to be uh putting giving him minutes consistently in the playoffs i i i i know what you're saying about the development and i'm kind of twisting it a little bit here i still Uh think there's incredible development done for a young player who gets to play in a high leverage situation And in that way, I hope his minutes still exist in some capacity. I'm with you, though, because here's the the one – I wouldn't say downside. I think it could be a positive. The one aspect of Chauncey as a coach is he played, and he played high-level basketball and won a championship, but damn near won two championships as right. a player. Yeah. He's not going to say, I got to play my rookie 15 minutes tonight. It When it comes to play, even if you think they're dead in the water against whoever they would take on in that first-round matchup, Chauncey's not going to sacrifice playing somebody who works better strategically and play Shaden in front of him. I think he'll still get him 8 to 12, but it's going to be really on Shaden how many minutes he gets because when Chauncey gets to the playoffs, when Dame gets to the playoffs, and, you know, Jeremy, whoever else, no, this team isn't going to be, hey, we need to bring the rookie along, even if he's not playing well. It's going to be, 
how do we beat the Clippers? How do we beat the Nuggets? How do we match up against Luka and the Mavs or whoever that is sitting in that position that they play? So it's unfortunate for me as a Shaden, you know, baby Kobe guy, but I understand <laughs> that if they get to the playoffs, Sean, that he's he's probably going to lose some minutes because Chauncey's Chauncey's been there. He understands it, and and Dame's really going to want to make a statement in round one. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think you're probably right about that, Brandon. I I've got I have kept you for an hour. I'm gonna let you go now but this is this has been great everybody you guys if you're listening to this you probably already know what it is uh jack ramsey's with danny meringue also a friend of the program on all the podcast platforms youtube uh dirt and sprague what's the time is it six to nine or six to nine yeah six to nine a.m six to nine a.m on 1080 every weekday go check that out that's also available as a podcast part of the odyssey family which I yeah we're co-workers of. technically we're co-workers yes. <laughs> we're co-workers yeah how about that so uh brandon thanks a lot for doing this man uh sean thank you for inviting me man i i, I know you've been super busy uh i know it's been an hour and my wife is gonna kill me because i'm blocking her workstation but i would love <laughs> to make my wife mad in order to talk hoops for an hour with you thanks for talking non-blazers i love that too because yeah. we're both hoop heads and totally. seriously sincerely mean this as a subscriber Great job. You're killing the beat. And I appreciate the work that you're putting in on the podcast and on the uh, the website. So keep it up, man. And uh, hopefully we can catch up on the our podcast, my radio show, your podcast, whatever it is. And uh, yeah. we can talk soon. Yeah, I'll talk to you soon, man.